You've stopped in at the guidepost. Brought to you by the American Saltwater Guides Association. Stock up on gear, grab a coffee at the counter, and get ready to hear incredible fish stories from the best captains on the East Coast and thought-provoking conversations with stakeholders and policymakers working to protect these fisheries. This podcast is presented by Costa Sunglasses. All right, everyone, welcome to season two of The Guidepost. Tony here today to talk about redfish, red drum, channel bass, spot tails, whatever you want to, uh, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, this is a follow up to the to the call that we had, uh, the podcast that we had with the guys from Georgia, not too long ago. And what we're trying to do is kind of connect the coast here, because the theme is we all got the same problems. The fish just look a little different. And I think uh, I think what you're going to hear from our guests today is going to ring true with a lot of our our striped bass fishermen who are who are listeners to this, and uh, and hopefully we can kind of create some connective threads through our communities where we're all kind of marching to the same beat and singing the same tune. So without further ado, we're going to welcome Captain Tommy Derringer from St. Augustine, Florida. How are you doing today, Tommy? Good, Tony. Good, man. Thanks for having me. Well, we're really kind of stoked to have you. I know I know you have a connection with Cody, who's our social media podcast brand guru. Um, and and he was really he was really pumped to get you on the podcast. Um, and I know y'all have an awesome fishery down there. Uh, you know, I, I hate for our podcasts to kind of be like doom and gloom, and, and I don't think that's the goal of this podcast. I think the goal of this podcast is to kind of say, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. You know, y'all, y'all have an incredible fishery. It could be better. And you probably have a lot easier time fixing it now than you will 10 years from now. Is that, is that kind of where you're at with, with redfish? I think, no, I think that's a pretty, that's a really accurate statement. I think, you know, we, we do have a great fishery. It's still good. Um, we still catch a lot of redfish, but we, you know, we don't catch as many as we used to. And, you know, it's probably more telling than even the catching for me is I'm not seeing as many redfish as I used to see. And, you know, it, it, mostly in the wintertime here when the water's clean enough to actually see fish in the water, um, we get these big schools of redfish. And, you know, it used to be pretty common to see fish, schools of redfish in the, hundred you know 150 fish sometimes and now um and it's funny because it's become you don't realize over time you know you say oh there, there's a big school of fish well now that big school of fish is like 25 fish maybe 40 fish and um so that's where it's a little concerning to me that i think just the numbers of fish and i'm on the water six days a week so i'm, I'm probably a pretty good um you know it's pretty good way to test <laughs> test this out is you know i just i'm seeing a lot less and i think for me now i have three little kids i obviously want the fishery to be great for my kids for everybody's kids you know it and, and i think it's important like you said to kind of talk about these things before they do get too bad you know um, you don't want something to be too far gone yeah you you don't want to be kind of where we are tommy with striped bass because 
I mean, we're looking at, at best case scenario, a 10-year rebuilding plan to recover them. You, you tell younger people what the fishery used to be like. You know, you're talking about 150 redfish swimming towards you. Um, and uh, and, and I, I could tell stories about a mile-long, you know, school of striped bass with four or 5,000 gannets bombing them, you know, from the sky. It looked like a tornado when when you were when you were pulling up on it all the fish were over 20 pounds uh just just the most amazing stuff and and you know my my son is 12 years old i have a center console 27 foot uh i have an 18 foot skiff i live on the water in one of the most productive areas of the chesapeake bay and at the beginning of the kind of the the spring like right right when the snow kind of got out of here uh i bought float tubes because my son likes to go pond fishing more because uh, there's just, it's no fun fishing the bay anymore. I mean, you, you, if there's, there's so few schools of fish, it's like bumper boats, you know, there's 200 boats on, on one school of fish. Cause there's just not very many fish left. Um, and it's, you know, it's just, it's degraded so much. It's, it's pretty depressing actually. So, you know, my message to you is don't let it get there you know uh so right, right there's no there's no silver bullet in any of this tommy you know there's nothing there's no one cure-all thing that can turn a fishery around and it's usually you know if it's declining it's usually like death by a thousand cuts there's usually a lot of different reasons but i you know i was looking at the regs in florida and it looks like y'all went from one fish to two fish and then did you did you start noticing those declines then you know, because I noticed too, a lot of people are moving to Florida, so that effort, the effort on the fishery, has to be increasing <laughs> as well. I, I haven't, I haven't noticed. Is it getting more crowded here? Actually, it really, it really is. Yeah, you, you know, I'm joking. It actually, yes, both. I mean, like you're saying, there's, there's not just one thing, um, but I think it's definitely a common two things, two big things. You know, the the limit went from one per person to two per person, and I think it, I, I'm trying to remember when that happened. I want to say it was within about 10 years ago, something like something like that. I might be a little off, but, um, but also in the last 10 years, we've had an absolute explosion of population here in St. John's County, which is where I am. And also in Duval County, in Jacksonville, um, and, and actually in Flagler County to the South as well. Just, it's just a really, really popular area right now. And there's tons of development and tons more people fishing. So, you know, you don't have to be a biologist or a scientist at all to, or, or a mathematician to do the numbers there. You get, you know, so many thousands of more people fishing, and then they can keep twice as many fish, uh, twice as many redfish per day. I'm sure there's, you know, there's a lot of fish that are leaving the water that are getting thrown back. And I'm sure that has a lot to do with, you know, the, the, the lack of numbers of fish that we're seeing. Um, I think, and I don't think it's only just the keeping two per person, because I think a lot of people go out and don't, they don't catch a slot fish to keep. It's hard to do sometimes. I think, um, you know, the pressure, um, you know, people just going through the fish or just fishing areas, you know, those fish get spookier, they move to different areas. But you add that on top of keeping the extra fish, I think that's, it's really put a little bit too much pressure uh, in my opinion, and a lot of other guys, I've had 
you know, I, I was telling you guys earlier, I met with some, uh, I didn't meet with them, but I just happened to sit down with some of the other guides in areas for the guys that have been doing even longer than I have. I've been doing this now full time for I think almost 17 years. And there's some guys that have been doing it for 20, 30 years and, and they have the same, you know, the same attitude towards it and the same, they're seeing the same things I'm seeing, you know, and it's, it's, um, it's a little disheartening. Um, I know FWC right now is holding a lot of workshops and, and they want the public's opinion. And, um, you know, I, I really think that going back to one per person will definitely, would definitely help out. I don't know if that's the only thing that needs to happen, but I think it's a step in the right direction. It's, it's weird because in Maryland where I live, we have seen an increase in the numbers of big redfish. I mean, big ones. Um, and they're, they used to just kind of hang out at the mouth of the bay and they're, they're moving further and further up the bay in the summer. Now, I don't know why that is. Um, I, it could very well be a lack of competition, uh, from the lack of striped bass and they just have, you know, they can just yeah. mow through juvenile bluefish and menhaden and all the stuff that they like to eat up here. Um, you know, maybe there's, maybe that there's not, there's not sharks up in the bay where I live, like, like down where you live, maybe they're getting away from sharks. I don't know. But um, you're seeing you're seeing a decline in numbers. This is all really eerily similar. Because when we came out of the, the first moratorium with striped bass, the limit was one fish at 36 inches. And then the stock assessment came back. It, it painted a really good picture. We had a lot of good spawns. They opened up the barn doors, took it to two fish, lowered it to 28 inches from 36 inches. And what that did to stripers was, you know, much like redfish, they live in, uh, you know, they live in the estuaries when they're immature and then they go out and they become the coastal stock. And we've contended for a long time that, you know, it, it, striped bass you know this living out in the ocean they kind of have to learn it so like you don't want to you don't want to nail these fish right when they become part of that right. ocean stock at 28 inches for striped bass give them give them a little bit of time to kind of learn the migrational routes learn where to find the food where to avoid the predators let them be a real you know and, and on top of that you know i think what is it for every two kilograms of weight a striper puts on it adds another 200,000 eggs the bigger the striper the fatter the individual egg is so it's you know it's all these signs point to like you want these old mature fish and when we went from one fish to two fish all of a sudden you saw the decline and we started ringing alarm bells back in 2012 nobody listened to us Everyone said the stock was fine. We really started panicking around 2016. Stock assessment comes out, peer-reviewed, accepted in 2019, and it shows we are in deep shit, right? 25% below the threshold. Um, you know, we've beat the hell out of all the good spawns that we had. You know, and I, and I think redfish biologically, first of all, it's a tougher fish than a striper. I'm always amazed. My parents live in Charleston. My family's from Louisiana. I've caught a lot of redfish in my life. 
you know, fortunately, because they're awesome. But striped bass are, are not as durable as a red. I'm always amazed. I see redfish with like shark bites taken out of them. Oh yeah, we catch them. We catch them. They're, they're missing a tail, or you know, they're yeah, they're they're resilient fish, no doubt about it. So at least at least you got that going for you, right? And then biologically, they only stay in the estuaries for about three years on average. They grow incredibly quickly. So like, what what size fish is your bread and butter? You know when you're taking your clients out, what are you looking for? You know, it's funny. It's like the, I guess you call it the culture is like everybody wants to catch the quote unquote slot fish, whether you're keeping them or not. That's, that's like the target size, which is 18 to 27 inches. So, you know, once a redfish gets over 20 inches, it's a, it's a strong, I mean, it's a super fun fish to catch. They're even fun to catch when they're smaller, but you know, when they get up into the, mid 20s that's that's kind of the target fish most of the time and um you know that's i would say that's that's really what we're looking for we do get some oh you know what we call oversized fish over 27 inches today we caught a couple over 27 inches but typically we're, we're hunting down looking to catch fish that are in the middle of that slot number you're you're polling are you doing sand flats flooded grass all of the above mud flats what are you looking for yeah it's, it's definitely all of the above that's that's one cool thing about our fishery here is you can catch them so many different ways i mean when you're talking big redfish for us we're fishing you know you can fish for them in deeper water like at the inlets and the bridges and some of the reefs and, and wrecks and stuff that are just off the beach and then you got um you know this is oyster bar oyster bar mecca down here i mean we've got you're, you're fishing on flats with big oyster bars, which obviously gives them plenty of good uh, habitat and food source with oyster crabs and everything that hides in those oyster shells. And uh, and then one of the cooler things, and you, you know, you mentioned um, Charleston, they have it up there. You know, from here up to Charleston, basically, we get the flood tides, which is a you know one of the most unique and probably one of the coolest ways to catch any kind of fish that I've ever done. And uh, Oh, listen, man, my, my parents, my parents live on the Ashley River, just north of Charleston. It's it's the most fun you can have. I swear to God, like, it's, it's really cool. I mean, besides like tarpon, you know what I mean? If I lived in the Keys or something, I would say I know something that's more fun than that. But, you know, when you're hunting those single fish, you, you're looking at the grass move, you're seeing the tail come up. It's very similar to bonefish. I, th I think it's about as cool as it gets. It is. I mean, right? it's, for, it's, for a light tackle fly angler. It's cool to, to, to hunt them down in there and, and catch them. But aside from that, it's just where you are, like how the, the process of doing it, you're up on these huge grass flats, the grass, you know, it's, it's bright green. There's all kinds of bird. I mean, it's just, it's just a cool situation aside from the fishing. Tommy, as we're talking, I'm, I'm scratching no see them bites on my leg violently because i was just i was down to see my parents like a week ago and I, I mean it's beautiful it's you know see the snails like running for cover going up on top of the grass fiddler crabs you know running for their lives the shrimp you know spraying i mean it's it is it is so cool when you get those king tides um the, i guess i was at my parents house during the last full moon so it was probably about 10 days ago and uh 
and and the tide just i mean just went right over the grass you could grab you know dry land was two feet deep and it was just wave after wave of redfish going in there and just eating every fiddler crab they came across but you you were also getting eaten alive yourself in charleston by the noceums which came from satan's butthole much like chiggers uh i they're 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 yeah. evil evil monsters like i don't even know I, my legs itching more now that i'm talking about it so i'm gonna stop um <laughs> yeah but um you know tommy we have up in the mid-atlantic and the northeast where the guides association is strongest right now there's a lot of um there's a lot of differing opinions on how to manage things and our, our, our fish are a little bit different than yours um we don't share a lot of fish I, I think where i live is kind of the the northernmost territory for southern fish and the southernmost territory for northern fish if that makes sense you know we can go out and and drift drift a drift a, a shoreline in the marsh and catch a striped bass a bluefish a speckled trout a red drum and a summer flounder that's cool on the same drift but that that's i'm just that's as good as it gets right like that doesn't happen every day and most of our fishery has gone to hell so but the chances are there like you know even if i take my son to the rocks in my neighborhood um we went out yesterday just for like 30 minutes told my wife i had to go to the grocery store totally lying just went to go (laughs) fishing um and you know like second cast wham nice striper uh third cast wham and you know line starts peeling off my son's six weight and you know i think i think it was probably like a 22 inch redfish it got away but it was not it was not a striper that was taking line off like that and and we were fishing for smaller fish anyway it was because it kind of amazed me so we kind of have this you know we kind of have this like amalgamation of northern and southern fish and our community is very uh separated very divided on the best ways to manage them you have a certain segment of the community that's like what do you mean the fishing's fine chicken little the sky is falling and then you have the segment of the community kind of that we cater to that's like look you know our clients go out for the experience um they want to catch a lot of fish not just like what your limit is and go home and uh and and it's kind of the overall experience it's seeing the red drum in the grass it's seeing the osprey take you know a juvenile flounder it's seeing uh an eagle go over you know go over your head and like all that majestic stuff so you know do you see i know florida's going through a lot of a lot of different kind of management ideas with redfish do you see the conservation community your community rallying around conservation or do you feel like there's going to be a a pressure to keep the limits up i guess to keep the limits high that's a good question i think i think there's definitely part of there is a community of people that are concerned i think and and, and, but there you know I, i don't know i don't know if i know the answer to that exactly but i will say that in recent years, last couple of years, I've definitely seen more people on board, more on the conservation side of things. Um, but I think just the mentality, um, you know, in Northeast Florida, at least where I am, 
for a lot of anglers is, you know, they don't feel like they've accomplished much fishing wise if they don't fill their cooler with fish. And but I do think that the that tide is turning a little bit. I think people are starting to understand that, you know, uh, you know that's not the way to think about it. And, and I'll tell you one thing that I've done, and quite a few guides, full time fishing guides have done here as well. Is we some guys have gone to completely catch and release on redfish, and a lot of guys are, are releasing most of their redfish. Whereas just five years ago, um, catch and release was it. That wasn't a phrase we heard from fishing guides here very often. And I will say, I think some guides are obviously a little bit timid to do that because they feel like they're going to lose clients because they want to keep their fish. But I don't think that's the case. I have not, I've gone pretty much, I'm not going to say I'm, I've been a hundred percent catch and release over the last couple of years, but I'm, I'm just about there on redfish in particular. And I have yet to have a single client, even the ones that in years past have kept redfish. I've not had a single one not want to fish with me or even have anything, you know, negative to say about it. Usually once I say, hey, look, you know, we're not seeing quite as many redfish. It's better to catch them, release them. You guys come back next year. We're going to catch more than we did this year. And something as simple as that, saying something as simple as that to them, they understand. And they're like, yeah, that's a, that's a great idea. You know, let's, let's catch them and release them. You just hit the nail on the head because, you know, as a, as a guide, you can have somebody that makes $5 million a year on your boat, won't listen to anyone, chases people out of a boardroom, fires people for disagreeing with them, and you tell them to stand on one leg and squawk like a flamingo, and they'll do it because they want to catch a fish. Right. Right. And that's why they're there. They listen to guides. They won't listen. They won't listen to their family. They won't listen to, you know, people that they work with. They'll listen to a guide. And if that's the message from the guide, they get it. And all, all, all they really want to do is have a good day and catch a lot of fish, right? right. Um, so I think, I think that it's incumbent upon the whole guiding community to kind of, you know, have that talk about conservation when you're with a client because they want to feel like they're in the know. You know, they're in the in crowd and they understand something that right. their friends don't. You know, even if they only fish a couple of times a year and they're really going to take cues you know, from us, I, I will, uh, I will say, you know, you kind of, you kind of made me chuckle when you were talking about, you know, how the tide is, the tide is turning and people are kind of embracing, embracing conservation a little bit more. And, you know, I always say it's a war of attrition and the old folks are dying. Right. right? And, and the young people coming up, you know, social media, all the negativity around it. It's also a great vehicle to teach conservation. I think that's one of the one of the reasons why groups like Captains for Clean Water, the Guides Association, BTT have been, you know, pretty successful in our efforts because we've kind of embraced that technology and and at least presented people with, you know, uh, uh, the science behind why we do the things, you know, that we do. Um, yeah, you know, I think, I think I've seen a lot of, um, there's, there's a lot of younger, you know, I don't, I don't know how to describe exactly. I mean, like hardcore anglers, you know, there's guys, there's a lot of young guys now that are into throwing the fly rod or throwing artificial lures where I think, uh, and this is like in the last 10 years, I've seen a lot of younger kids really get into that, the whole scene where, you know, I didn't notice that so much before. You know, kids would go fishing, and I say kids. I'm talking, you know, people 
18 to 25 years old or whatever. But there's a lot of people, younger people that are into the fly fishing, into the, and they're, they completely understand. A lot of those guys are like, man, I'm catching release only, or I you know, rarely ever keep a fish. And I think that's really cool to see that. And I think it's, I mean, it's probably partly because of what you said, they get behind things like caps for clean water and, and that kind of stuff. And, um, and I think, you know, there's a good old boy kind of thing that happens uh, in this part of the state where, you know, it, it's, and that's not going to go away. You know, you, you measure your success by how many fish you can catch. But I think even some of the guys that I know that, are, that have that mentality, they're even going, okay, you know, probably let's keep one fish, eat, for di- eat that fish for dinner instead of putting a bunch in the freezer and catch more next time. I think, you know, hopefully it just keeps going that way and it kind of, you know, gets into some of the guys that have, you know, different opinions where they just want to kill everything they catch all the time. Tommy, I'll, I'll in my experience uh, with fisheries policy regulations on, on, you know, state, regional, federal level, um, one of the more receptive state agencies is, is in Florida and, and they will actually respond to pressure from the angling community. And one of the reasons why I asked you that question was because I, I feel like Florida is not perfect. Uh, fisheries wise, they make mistakes, um, but they respond to pressure. Other states don't give a rat's ass what fishermen want. They're going to they're going to do what the people in the state house want them to do. And whoever backed the governor that's in there is going to get carte blanche, whatever they want. That's what we're going through in Maryland right now. Um, and it's been a disaster. It's been devastating for the Chesapeake Bay and, and everything. Uh, I cannot wait for this administration. I only have the, the countdown clock is on my computer. I, you know, <laughs> come, come November, we'll find out who the next governor is. And, and this, this one will be a, a very bad distant memory um, for what they did, but, but Florida will respond. And if you can, you know, if that angling community rallies around redfish and conservation, that is what you will get from your state. I think it's pretty simple. I mean, everybody wants to catch more fish when they go fishing. Right. And I think if everybody, you know, I think a way to do it, the only way to do it really now is there's so many more people. I think people just need to have the mentality of release some of the fish you catch. Don't, don't keep all of them. I mean, I, I'm not the guy that gets up on his soapbox and says, you know, you have to, you can't keep any of your fish or whatever. I mean, I get it. People like to eat fish and I think you can do it in a conservation minded way um, and, and still release the majority of the fish and keep some for dinner, whatever. But I, I think, you know, I think the main thing is people want to go out and catch fish. People don't want to get to the point where they're not catching fish. And uh, we're not there yet. We're not we're far from there. But I think, um, you know, I don't know what the answer is exactly, but I think it's good that you, that we have people that will listen. And, um, you know, hopefully the community kind of, like I said, I think more people in the community now than ever have that mentality, which I think is a step in the right direction. Yeah. And, you know, look, we don't want to sound like we're on some kind of pompous high horse 
where we're like oh yeah you know we're fly fishermen and light tackle and look we kill fish too you spend enough you spend enough time on a boat and you know as well as i do that there's gonna be that one dumb fish that takes a fly the wrong way and gills itself right that's the fish you keep yeah right that's that's conservation minded yeah um we still kill stuff and when we have an impact on the resource and I, instead of the conversation being kind of like that Hatfield and McCoy, you know, just you just you know locked into your position and you hate the other person, is you kind of sit down and you have a mature talk and you're like, okay, look, you know, uh, we want who you know, give me a show of hands. Who doesn't want this around for their kids and grandkids, right? All right, so we got we all got that right. in common. We want our kids and grandkids to do this, right? Who likes catching fish? All right, we all got that in common. All right, now let's, you know, let's take the, how do, how do we make sure this continues? Because we're not even going to get into who can keep what. But th- those, those should be the questions that right. we ask at every fisheries meeting before, you know, I, I think it's the loud minority that gets what they want a lot of times. Um, and, and it's a, it's a real shame, um, that there isn't kind of like a unified voice for conservation up and down the coast for, for these fish that, you know, my, my guides that I represent rely on. Uh, so, you know, Tommy, the, the, the stock assessment has come out. Um, we know kind of you know right now where redfish stand i think one of the fears that i have you know i i had mentioned earlier that we're getting big redfish up in the bay and because of the lack of striped bass you're actually having some people in the charter for hire community that want to kill big redfish for their clients and that hasn't happened on the Atlantic in a very long time. And that scares the hell out of me. And could you imagine what that would do to the fishery if we started allowing people to kill big ones? Yeah, you know, I mean, uh, yeah, that that's not a smart move by any means. And and I don't understand why anybody would want to kill one of those big fish to, to, try, to eat it anyways. It probably doesn't taste very good. Those things are old dinosaurs um but yeah that's i mean you know i I don't even really fish for those big fish here especially i mean the time to fish for them to catch numbers of those big fish is when they're spawning and um just simply fishing for them here i think a lot of them probably don't make it just because they get beat up pretty bad so i i've pretty much stopped fishing for them mostly you know because of that reason but um I don't think people realize how important those big fish are. I mean, obviously they make all the babies. Um, and if they're not successful, then, you know, it's just another thing that's going to make us have less redfish swimming around. So, um, yeah, that's, that's ridiculous. I, I don't know why they, anybody would consider. So, you know, I, I hope, I hope all of our podcast fans and listeners have figured out that what we've been saying all along is the truth that we all have the same problems, whether it's an increase in effort, it's over harvest, 
whatever it is, the fish just look a little different. So just before, uh, you know, before we sign off, I want to remind everyone that, that, uh, Friday, the 24th is the final day for comment, uh, on that Georgia sort survey, um, about what Georgia anglers want to see from their, from their redfish fishery. Tommy, please let us know at the guides association know, when the time comes, what we can do to help make sure that you have a good fishery for years to come. Uh, cause, because if it's, if it's declining now, now's the time to, now's the time to fix it before it gets too bad. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. I think that's, that's a big thing. I mean, I think people need to realize that, you know, well, I mean, you, I don't need to tell you, but I think people need to understand that earlier, that you can work on these things that, um, you know, the better it is. Cause once it gets to a point where, where it's bad, that's, that's just so tough. We've seen that so much in other, other parts of Florida and, and obviously you guys are seeing it up there. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that. 